Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson, flying solo today to talk about some of the big stories in sports and really appreciate you being a part of the show today. I always love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk a couple of big NFL storylines, including the Bears quarterback situation, Leonard Fournette and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I've got a couple thoughts on John Thompson, the Rockets, and Kemba Walker and the Boston Celtics. And so we will discuss all of that. Before we do that, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Also, check out our website, unpackingit.com, and we, at the moment, have one spot left in our Fantasy Football Fellowship 32-team league. We're looking for someone to own the Pittsburgh Steelers. So go to unpackingit.com slash fantasy. And honestly, I can't believe that the Steelers are the last team to be owned. Ben Roethlisberger is coming back, feeling good, apparently healthy. James Conner is still a stud. He got a little banged up last year. Very talented running back. Not to mention they've got some great depth behind him. Juju Smith-Schuster, easy for me to say, is a a top-end wide receiver. And I really like Deontay Johnson. He's been injured, uh, so there's some, some questions around him. But he was really good last year. And so if he takes a step further, another wide receiver, uh, he's going to be pretty good. And then Eric Ebron at tight end, Vance McDonald at tight end. This team is loaded. So anyway, I uh, I could have bought them, but I ended up going with the L.A. Chargers. And so that's the team that I'm representing this year. And my boy, Hunter Henry, tight end for the Chargers. So it uh, should be a fun league, and, and we're excited about uh, making that available. And we're looking for one more owner unpackingit.com slash fantasy. All right, before we get into the NFL, it is September 1st, and I'm recording the show in the afternoon, and today is a very special day for me. It is probably one of the greatest, well, it is. It's one of the greatest days of my life, getting married, having little Maddie, of course, giving my life to Jesus. Those are all more important But right up there, especially in the sports realm, (laughs) App State beating Michigan. And it has been unbelievable. So it happened in 2007. So it's been 13 years since that day when we saw up on the scoreboard 34-32. 
And I've shared this story over the years, but I'll share it for some of our new listeners. I was a student in college at App State, and during home games, I did play-by-play for the football team. And so I, I was a fan. I, I loved my team, but, but I was also treating it professionally as well. However, for that game at Michigan, I went as a fan. I was a diehard fan, and by that point, I was a junior, so I had two years worth of, we won the NCAA championship both those years, so there was a lot of passion and energy, and, and I just loved my team. So then to go up there and to watch this little team from Boone, North Carolina, and at the time, we were at, we were at the FCS level, 1AA level, to go up there and to, to pull the greatest upset in college football history, it is still the greatest and will always be the greatest upset in college football history because we're just the gap is too big now between the FCS, you know, FBS football, Power Five, and all that kind of thing. Now, uh, a North Dakota State team, I guess, uh, you know, those they're pretty loaded now, but I, I just don't see the significance of of any upset being greater than that, at least for a long time. It it carries its weight, and even as a as an alum. Uh, of course, I'm biased, but I just think from a sports standpoint, it carries so much weight as such a big upset. And that's why you know ESPN tweeted about it today. It's just what took place that day. And even Ohio State fans, Penn State fans, how excited they were to watch number 5 Michigan go down the way they did uh, is, is something special. And so what's funny for me, though, on one end, it's, it's cool to be a part of the upset because nobody thought, app could do it the truth is app state was really good they were such a good football team that in many ways like i wasn't surprised because we were so cocky and say confident that anytime the mountaineers stepped on the field we expected them to win this was a national championship team they, they ended up winning the national championship that season for their third straight and armani edwards was a really good quarterback people joke about him because he he fizzled out as a wide receiver in the nfl that's because he's a quarterback. He was a quarterback. He maybe didn't have the size necessary, but I'll tell you what, if he was playing in today's NFL with the likes of Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, Armani Edwards was doing what they are doing now back then, and that's why they were able to beat Michigan. So anyway, I could go on and on and do a whole episode on that game and what it meant to me personally, what it meant to my career, all of those things. It was a special day, and I'll, I'll share this with you. I went up there with my buddies, so we camped out for tickets. <laughs> the funny thing is we really didn't need to because there really weren't that many app fans that went to the game that made the trip up there, but my buddies did. We, we experienced the, the camping out the night before, so we'd be there when the, the ticket office opened, and we got our $50 tickets and drove up in one of my buddies' vans, uh, his mom's vans, uh, and, and so it was a, I don't know, 15-hour drive, and we went up there for the experience, and you know, you're in college and you just want to do it. But th- there was a part of us that did expect to win, and I think that was why we were willing to make the trip. I think the people that went up there did have a belief that it was possible. And then to experience the, the exciting game, it was a tremendous game, period, regardless of who won, the back and forth, the intensity, I mean, I was, those emotions can't be replicated, what I was experiencing during that game. And, and again, not to be hyperbole or whatever, but I'll never be able to experience those types of emotions again. Sitting there in that stadium with 100,000 fans rooting for one team and then a sliver of those fans 
rooting for the, the black and gold, and then the black and gold were actually beating Michigan at key points in the game, and Michigan would come back, and it, it, it was a back and forth. But then once that game ended, I mean, I, I blacked out in excitement. I was beside myself, and, and my fandom reached its peak, and I had to gather myself because I was beside myself, and that's how, how fun it was. But, but I was up there with my buddies, but then also my two brothers, who at the time were in high school and middle school, ended up going to App, but they were there. My dad, my three uncles, and my grandpa. And, so, uh, and that was the last time I saw my grandpa before he passed away, and he went to Michigan. So you can't, I mean, you can't make this story up. All, everything lined up. It was as good as it gets, and, and I, I love sharing the story. So thanks for, for humoring me, and I would love to hear your best sports experience as a fan, and not that it has to live up to, to that because it's, it's hard to, for, to, to go to a little school first off to then get the opportunity to actually go play a big school when they're ranked number five and then to be talented enough to actually go do it, to be well-coached enough to go do it, and then to have the opportunity to actually be at that game. Man, I'm so thankful, and I don't take that, that opportunity for granted, but I am curious, what, what was your best experience as a fan? So, so you can shoot me an email, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. And if you are a loyal listener of Unpacking It, a supporter of Unpacking It Ministries, you're a part of what we do. This ministry is all about sports fans. And so as, as the, the founder and president of this ministry, know that, that my fandom was at its peak on September 1st, 2007. And part of that experience even ultimately led me to start Unpacking It and continues to drive me uh, because I just... I, I know what sports can do and, and the value of sports and, and, and that game uh, is a key part of that understanding, I would say. Again, I could go on and on, but if you have questions or you want to know more, shoot me an email. We'd love to share uh, you know, some, some, some more details to that incredible journey and upset and, and all that came with that. So uh, let's jump in, though, to a couple other topics and none seem as important as at beating Michigan. But here's an observation I wanted to share with you guys today. As an NFL fan, fantasy football fan, Panthers fan, I am one of the few people that in years past has understood and appreciated the NFL preseason. I am not one of those guys that criticizes it every August and complains about it. Now, I don't sit there and watch for three hours and watch every game, but I like the easing into the NFL season. You go from the summer where, like July, I kind of you know phase out of sports a little bit in a normal year. I take a breather because I went hard from March Madness to the Masters to NBA playoffs, NBA draft, NBA free agency, then I take a breather. And then, you know, I'm, I'm watching some, some TV and movies and catching up on all that kind of thing. And then, you know, the summer's wrapping up and you catch a preseason game on a Thursday, on a Friday, on a Saturday, and you watch your hometown team, you catch a little bit of, of the other games, and then you get exposed to some under-the-radar players that maybe help you in fantasy, that maybe you realize will end up helping your favorite NFL team. You get a, a a glimpse of the starters, and then all right, they play a few downs or a few series, and then that's it, and that's fine. And then you move on. 
But guys, this year, we've had no preseason. We're going straight from the craziness of the world in 2020 and all that that entails and a weird summer and the NBA playoffs start at 530 and we've got game sevens in, in September. I mean, let that set in for a second. We, we've got two game sevens in the NBA playoffs that are taking place in September. And then next week, the NFL starts with no preseason. And I feel like I'm barely even seeing training camp or any kind of coverage. Like, it's just so limited. Thankfully, good news today on a quick side note, YouTube TV, which is what I've made the, the transition to. Uh, I used to have AT&T U-verse. They are adding the NFL network which is great news. So now I will finally get some more NFL coverage, which is nice. Uh, but, but I'm a big NBA fan, so I have been keeping up with the NBA playoffs. And so training camp, I, I just haven't gotten enough info. Now, I, I keep up with fantasy stuff, and I'm keeping up with some of the news and stuff. But, just, but preseason, you at least get a little bit more than the, 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 the few throws that you see with guys wearing T-shirts in training camp. I normally appreciate preseason. I haven't necessarily been on the train of, oh, just eliminate preseason and go to a 20-game regular season. It's nice that those games don't count and guys get to transition. I'm that way in my own life, and I I, even as a just viewing, I want to ease in, watch a couple quarters, and then I'll start committing a full Sunday or at least the the first window of of a Sunday to watching NFL games. And now this year, it's like I've got to tell my wife, all right, well, yeah, it's Sunday. The NFL started. Wait, well, wait, what? Already? Yeah, yeah, here it is. Are you experiencing that too? It seems that way. Like all of a sudden, we got the NFL. It's just, we've had the NBA, and now we're going to have the NFL going on at the same time. And as a sports fan, my, my head is spinning. You got baseball going on. You got golf going on. We still, have Ma- we still have the Masters coming up in November. So we have to keep that in the back of our mind. We got to turn our, our golf interest back up a notch. Like the FedEx will be over. We've got to play the Masters. And then there will be guys that had a great season this year. I think Berger is the main, Daniel Berger is the main name that isn't going to make the, Fed, uh, make the Masters, even though he's been one of the top golfers this season, because the Masters is, is only qualifying golfers based on what they normally would do in April before you know, what we've seen the last few months, which is fascinating. And I'm actually fine with it. I think it's, I think it's the right decision. For, for the Masters, but it's a bummer for the guys that have been playing really well this year, but they'll be able to qualify for next year's Masters, which will then take place a few months later, which is nuts. My point is, the preseason, now do you realize, like, we, we could have had at least something in August, a little football, a little taste. We've had nothing. And, and fantasy football, uh, the industry, I was reading an article, they're down a little bit uh, this year for a number of reasons, but I think one of them there's just not the buzz about the NFL like normal and the preseason factors into it. Even if they're manufactured storylines or we're, we're talking about backup running backs or quarterbacks, we're at least talking about the sport. But right now we're, I mean, we're grasping at, at storylines because there's just not enough happening even in training camp. So that's one observation. But we do have a couple NFL stories that I want to get to. And the first one being the Chicago Bears quarterback situation. It's like the one true quarterback competition controversy and that of course is between Mitch do we call him Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles the Super Bowl MVP I'll be honest I am a huge Nick Foles fan I just like I just love his story I love everything about his story I love the kind of guy he is what he represents man of God I root for him 
the fact that Jacksonville was a total bust and just kind of a bummer down there, it ended before it started, and then for him to have to go to another team. I, I was always on the side, though, that he needed to stay in Philly, that that was the sweet spot for him and for Philly. Like, they need him. And even with Wentz getting banged up again, I like Jalen Hurts, too. But Foles, I just I, I don't like that he's having to bounce around. This is a former... MVP of the Super Bowl, a hero, and he was a hero in Philly, and it he had to go get paid, and I understand it. I understand why it's happened the way it is, but just from a practical football standpoint, he could still be a hero in Philly and probably be leaned on because of Wentz, and, and so, I don't know. Anyway, he's in Chicago, and I just find this situation to be the worst kind of situation for quarterbacks and it's it's when you have an underachieving young quarterback who hasn't proven to be the franchise quarterback with a newly signed free agent quarterback who is an established starter in the league who has proven to be a starter who has in full Foles is probably about as unique as they come but still he he can play we know Foles can play and Foles hasn't crossed over to the point of being the old veteran, just happy to still be playing category. A guy like Matt Moore in Kansas City, or even Chad Henney, who who App State beat. Uh, he was the quarterback at Michigan. But somebody like that who you know has been around the league for a long time, they know they're a backup. They have no intentions of being a full-time starter. But Nick Foles still has the intention to be a starter. That's his goal. He wants to, he, from what I understand, I mean, at this point in his career, he wants to be a starter. So there they are trying to figure out, okay, who do we roll with this year? Because if we start the season with Foles as the guy, what do we do with Trubisky? Do we try to trade him? I don't know how many teams would want him. And then if we start Trubisky and we deep down know that Foles is better, then are we not giving ourselves the best chance to win? And, and that's why I, I always appreciate the teams that have a great quarterback room where you know who the starter is and you know who the backup is, and the backup is there to support the starter. And when that's not the case, I just think it creates tension. It's difficult. And a couple of episodes ago, I, I talked about the whole Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota situation. So you can go back and listen to that. But and Because now Mariota's in... in Las Vegas with Derek Carr, and that's not a great situation <laughs> either. I think Carr's going to hang on to the job, so I think it'll be fine. But this situation in, in Chicago, I would go with Foles, and and then you have to acknowledge that you made a mistake. And of course with Trubisky, with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes playing as well as, as they've played in their young careers, coming out in that same draft class, I feel for Trubisky. That's a nightmare. But he just hasn't done it. And, and it, it, this is, a, as they say, a results-oriented league. And, and Trubisky hasn't necessarily, especially last year, he just took a step back. So he's, he's got to clearly take this job from Nick Foles. It's got to be evident. And if they're hemming and hawing and Nagy had some weird comments in the media, they don't know when they're going to make the decision, but they do know when they're going to make a decision. It's very weird to me. And so it just smells from the outside looking in like a bad situation. I think Chicago's talented enough too, especially on defense, that they, they should be in the playoff mix. And I'm afraid the quarterback situation, unless they go with Foles from the get-go, 
uh, could be hairy. Now, what this is what I think will happen. I think they'll go with Trubisky, and about three games in, they'll pull him and put Foles in. And at that point, it just might be too late to salvage the season because that division is going to be tight. Green Bay is the, is the team to beat, but really Minnesota is right there because they've made some some small moves, especially on defense, to be better. And I think they'll open it up a little bit more for Kirk Cousins this year. I've got Adam Thielen on my fantasy team, so I hope he does. They, they did lose Stephon Diggs, but I think they've got some other nice receivers there. They, they've got a pretty deep core there uh, or a deep position with receivers. A couple of veterans, a couple of young guys. So anyway, I, I think that division is going to be so tough. So for Chicago to get, you know start slow because they decided to go with Trubisky, that could be tough. If Trubisky really improved in the offseason and he's going to be awesome and he, and he blows all the coaches away, well, that's one thing. But from what we've heard, that's not the case yet. All right, the other big uh, storyline, the Jaguars releasing Leonard Fournette. And I, I don't want to be, I told you so, but I wasn't high on Leonard Fournette. Like, he was someone in fantasy, I just crossed him off my list. I'm not drafting him. I don't care when. And I'm so thankful the Panthers drafted Christian McCaffrey instead of him. And they both came out the same year. Now, Fournette went before, so the Panthers didn't have the option. But going into that draft... That was the toss-up. Oh, which running back would go when? And would Fournette fall to Carolina? And, whew, I am very, very glad. Fournette just doesn't seem to have the NFL mentality. Even at LSU toward the end there, it just seemed like, ooh, as good as he is, there's, there just seems to be some red flags that made me nervous. And now it's playing out. And why does Jacksonville seem to always be the team and the franchise that makes these these bad decisions. I mean, Blaine Gabbert, Blake Bortles, the list goes on and on. It's it's tough. I feel I've got a buddy, a good friend of mine who's a Jaguars fan. I, I always try to just invite him. Hey, just give give up on him. Be a Panthers fan. <laughs> now you got to stay loyal to your guys. I appreciate the loyalty, but at some point. It's too tough, Jacksonville. I'm sorry. And Minshew, you can root for. I like Minshew. He's he's funny. He's He's got a personality. But is he good enough to carry a team without a, a lot around him? Our boy, Chris Conley, who's been a guest on the show, we root for him. They do have some receivers. Uh, DJ Chark and D.D. Westbrook. And uh, they've got some... I actually like Chris Thompson as a running back down there, too, coming out of the backfield. But... Um, anyway, they move on from Fournette, and that's, that's got to be a tough call because you admit the mistake, and, and eventually teams have to do that. Uh, let me run through. i got a, a few other topics I want to get to, and let me transition to the NBA for a moment. And even if you aren't an NBA fan, you might be able to resonate with this topic and observation. So as a Charlotte Hornets fan, Kemba Walker was our guy. And he was drafted. He spent, I guess, eight seasons in Charlotte. The team didn't win much. There wasn't a, a lot around Kemba. In, in one way, you could argue, well, if Kemba's great, then you, you make other players better. Kemba won a championship at UConn. He, he's, he's proven that he is a winner. And so the Hornets were in a tough spot when they had to decide, do we give Max money to Kemba continue to build around him, especially at this stage of his career, or do we go in another direction? They end up trading him. They get, however, that whole deal worked. Terry Rozier, I guess it was a trade. Rozier came here from Boston. 
Campbell goes up there to the Celtics. So now, here's the predicament. Do we, as Hornets fans, continue to root for Kemba Walker? And so when your favorite team, your hometown team, has a player that, that you draft, you watch him for many, many years, he goes to another team, do you continue to root for that guy? I would say, in general, as long as the player ends on, on pretty good terms, you absolutely do. And again, we're finding this with the Panthers and Cam Newton because Panthers fans hate the Patriots. Can they really root for Cam in New England? Because Cam wanted to stay. It wasn't Cam demanding to leave. And same with Kemba Walker. Kemba wasn't demanding to leave. He actually wanted to stay here. He wanted to get paid. He was he was a, as good of a representative. He, he put up with all the shenanigans with the Hornets and the, the bad draft picks and the poor signings and all the losing, great attitude, all-time leading scorer, all those things. And so it, it's just an interesting question to ask yourself and, and you think back to some of the, you know, the great players over the years that have left your favorite franchise. How did you respond to those guys in another uniform? I have to imagine Colts fans still rooted for Peyton Manning. But Packers fans did not root for Brett Favre in a Minnesota Vikings uniform. Now, Brett Favre fans did, of course, but true Green Bay Packers fans, that was a smaller percentage. So here we go. We got the Boston Celtics doing very well in the playoffs. I am predicting them to go to the finals. Now, they play tonight. They might lose game two, and I still stand by this. So win or lose tonight, doesn't matter. I think the Celtics go to the finals. That would mean they would beat... The, uh, the, the Bucks and, and Giannis. But I love Brad Stevens. I love the different types of players and, and contributors that they have. Because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are different types of players. There are some similarities. Eh, maybe even their body types are similar, similar size and all that. But I think Jalen's ability to get to the rim uh, is very effective and Jason Tatum's shot has gotten so much better. I mean, he's such a good shooter now. And then Kemba, he's a good penetrator and a good shooter. And at, from the guard position, he can get other guys in, involved. I love how they complement each other. And the way that Brad Stevens coaches players, period, but coaches this team to get the most out of guys, it's impressive. And I just love the makeup of this roster. And I am rooting for, for Kemba. I want him to win as loyal as he was to the Hornets, good for him that he landed in such a great spot. So go Celtics. And even as a Lakers fan, I want to see them in the finals. Yeah, that's right. I'm a Lakers Hornets fan, West coast, East coast. And, and so I I'll root for the Celtics up until the finals. And yes, I think the Lakers will get to the finals. So I think they'll be fine. As long as they stay focused uh, enough. And, you know, LeBron has a lot of interests, a lot of things he speaks out on a lot of things a lot of convictions and and that's another podcast uh, another day but if they stay focused on 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 basketball to to a certain extent uh, what it's what's required in the playoffs I would expect the Lakers to win the, the West so um now whether they choose to do that or not I don't know but um and that's that's up to their convictions and they have to figure that out but I think the Lakers have what it takes to get to the finals to take on the Celtics. And how fun would that be? That'd be a good series. So that would also mean the, the Rockets. The Rockets, if they end up winning Game 7, uh, they'd have to, to, to play the Lakers. 
But I think the Thunder will beat the Rockets in Game 7. I think the Rockets losing last night, they're done. I really do. And it's not it's, not, it's nothing personal, but I, I don't I root against Mike Tan, D'Antoni because I don't like the way he coaches. I, I don't like when a team just totally gives up on defense and they their whole offense is just shooting threes. Now, the Suns team was more fun and with Nash and Stoudemire and Sean Marion and Joe Johnson, all of those guys, Leandro Barbosa, those are fun Suns teams. But as a Lakers fan, those, those Suns teams actually beat some of those Kobe, Smush Parker teams. So part of me doesn't like the, the, the I guess I don't like D'Antoni for that reason. But I, with this Rockets team, it drives me nuts that they don't have any big men. What are you talking? This is the NBA. I know we've gone to some positionless basketball, and I know the Warriors have have won without maybe elite centers, but they needed Andrew Bogut at times, and they they needed um, Festus Azili, and and those guys contributed. The Rockets have no size, zero, nothing. It just drives me nuts. And then they don't play defense enough, and then Westbrook and Harden, they just aren't clutch enough. Just don't understand what it takes to win when things are intense and it comes down to the wire. And and that was the problem with Westbrook all those years in Oklahoma City, and that's why Kevin Durant left. Now I'm sure he's got a million other reasons, but as someone just watching games, that's why he had to have left. He would get frustrated that on those final plays, Westbrook would do something silly and, and force a shot, or last night it was throwing the ball away. That has to wear you out. Westbrook and Harden are tremendous players. They're great. And D'Antoni has won a lot of games as a coach, and he's had multiple opportunities, which is incredible. Lakers, Knicks, Rockets, Suns. Are you kidding me? I think he might get the job in Indiana. They're, they're holding out for him to come up there. I mean, it's crazy to me. But uh, but I I will, if I have to pick, I, I'm going to go with the Thunder. And I'm not necessarily a Chris Paul uh, apologist, but I think he's shown his leadership qualities and they joke about it because Barkley always calls him the best leader but he's living that out he he really is they've overachieved what they've done this year is absolutely incredible I I mean I thought they were rebuilding I wrote them off and there they are game seven pushing the Rockets and two of the top 10 players in the league probably uh, on that that fun on the the Rockets team and the Thunder are going to knock them off that's at least how I feel today so depending on when you listen to this I, I could be wrong but that that's how I feel all right, so uh, sad news, the, the passing of John Thompson from Georgetown. What a great coach, but a great broadcaster, too. His voice, I just appreciated him. He used to do NBA games, and then he did college basketball, but just a great legend across the board. But with all the, the outpouring for him, I wrote about, for the devotional, his courage as, a, as an inspiration for us to, to really live with courage. But I also, it made me think, too, that there aren't many coaches that come to mind in all of sports today where you know that that coach is all about pouring into young men and being a leader and being about the players and not not necessarily about winning. Because when you think of Nick Saban, and I, I think Nick Saban does a lot of great things, but the first thing you think about, Nick Saban just wants to win. He just wants to win. And, and even if he wouldn't admit that, it's just, that's perception. And, and so when I think of, all right, what coaches, and it wasn't that John Thompson didn't want to win. He wanted to win. But 
he was about the players and he was about being that that mentor and that father figure and, and helping guys that that were in tough spots. And you think about Allen Iverson and you think about all the players that came through his program and 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 the types of guys that he would bring in and, and mold and shape and change the trajectory of their lives. Not to say that coaches aren't doing that today, because I think they are, but John Thompson, it was like that was what he was known for. That's what he, you know, that's what everyone's talking about today. I just wonder of the coaches coaching today and kind of the new era of coaches, is that what they will be known for? I, I hope so. I just I just question it. I, I wonder, are we do we have those kind of guys in coaching today? And do we have those kind of people um or, or do we support those types of people too in the educational system? And where we're at in the educational system, that's another topic too, not to go down that that trail, but I've got a lot of great buddies that are awesome teachers. But I just wonder if they're appreciated, supported, and and you know all that they're having to go through right now with are they in school or virtual and all that they go through. But how many people are out there that truly want to make a difference and impact those that they coach, those that they teach, and are we lifting them up and, and helping them and giving them opportunities? Or in sports specifically, is it just all about, all right, they're going to come and they're going to win? The, the fact that I'm about to go off, but Bobby Petrino and, and guys like that, and even Rick Patino and some of these guys that end up getting multiple jobs after questionable behavior at programs. And, and there are really great men, women out there that, that could be in programs coaching and building men up and building kids and students and athletes up that maybe they didn't win as much. But they don't get those opportunities. We need we need more people like John Thompson. And I was even you know just listening to guys like Grant Hill. He gave a great essay on TNT and just the impact that John Thompson even had on players and even other coaches that never actually were under his tutelage at Georgetown specifically. Um, still had an impact. So I think those kinds of people, yeah, we want to honor them and think back to their legacy or think back what they did, which is now their legacy. Um, it's pretty cool. So I'm not throwing coaches today under the bus. I, I'm just I'm more wondering and, and thinking about who, who are those people. Like Tony Bennett comes to mind as someone who, who is about the players. And even though he's won, he won a championship, I think he leads with faith, character, being a player's coach, building men. I, so how many of those people are out there? How many of those coaches? And, and uh, who comes to mind for you? I'd be curious. Who comes to mind for you? Bryce at unpackingit.com. All right, last story as we wrap things up. Uh, I want to share uh, the devotional from Monday. Uh, I wrote about Teddy Bridgewater, and he's the new quarterback for the Panthers. And if you haven't read his story, it's worth reading. There, there were some articles this week written about him, and I wrote a little bit about his story. But I focused in on his perspective. And he tore his ACL, dislocated knee, back on August 30th, 2016. But, but two different tweets were so inspiring. And the one that he did this, this year, August 30th, uh, a couple days ago, he, he tweeted, while riding in back of, uh, he started off, August 30th, 2016, which is when he got injured. While riding in back of that ambulance, I didn't know what my football future had in store for me. In the midst of so much uncertainty and pain, I found peace and my purpose in life. 
So that was his that was his perspective. And then to go back to a tweet that he wrote a year after the injury, he tweeted, I never asked God why this happened to me. I've only told him thank you. A year later, he's showing me why this happened to me. Blessed. So here he is, major injury, his career's on the line. There was talk that he may have to have his knee amputated. And, and I encourage you to go on unpackingit.com and you can read the, the full devotional and, and more about the story. The attitude that he had where, and, and people have written about and talked about you know, how positive, joyful, you know, just this persevering, thankful perspective that he had in the midst of challenging injuries and the recovery that he had to go through. And, and it just, it's just so inspiring because we all face different challenges and, you know, his, his knee was mangled. That was the word that was used. His knee was mangled. And I think for us, life gets mangled at times. And, and for Teddy Bridgewater, he chose to be thankful. He chose to, to have a, a bigger perspective and, and, and to be, uh, you know, to see purpose behind what he was going through. And so for us, when life gets mangled, how, how do we respond? How are we going to handle things right now when we're going through? Are we going to continue to remain joyful and hopeful and optimistic? And, and I believe we have to, in order to really do that, we have to rely on the Lord and we have to find our, our hope and peace in him and, and rely on, on him to give us the strength that we need. And we have to cling to uh, important verses and, and verses that help us through those times. And so let me share a couple of those with you. Proverbs seventeen twenty two says, a happy heart is good medicine. And a joyful mind causes healing, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So if we want to heal from things, we've got to have a happy heart. And we have a happy heart when we uh, find our joy in the Lord. And then also, Jesus told his disciples before he returned to heaven, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I think as we as kind of wrap up this this topic uh, it says in First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So I hope that's encouraging to all of us today, to 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 find our peace, to find our joy in the Lord, and and there there is that opportunity that even when life gets mangled, we can choose to be thankful, choose to be joyful. Teddy Bridgewater, thanks for the inspiration. I'm pulling for him, not only as a Panthers fan, but I think the story, period, is fantastic. To think, you know, Minnesota had to move on. I understand why they did. And then he went to the Jets. He was quickly traded. They must have realized that, all right, he's pretty good. And, and then I guess they realized Sam Darnold could play enough to, to go with him. And then he ends up in New Orleans and filled in last year 5-0 and for the Saints. Panthers gave him a pretty good contract. But it's, I think it's worth the risk and... and He's the right guy to transition from franchise cam to let's see what Teddy has, and, and maybe he plays the next eight years with the Panthers as the starter. But if not, he's a good gap guy, good guy to have in the locker room, and the Panthers end up drafting someone uh, early because they, they probably don't have enough defense to win a lot of games this year, but the offense should be good. And if Teddy Bridgewater, from what we hear so far, is healthy and can play and can even take it a step further from what he did in New Orleans where I think they limited what they asked of him. But if he's able to do a little bit more, um, and then I actually interviewed Jericho Cotri today and talked about the, the wide receivers that he worked with the last couple of years, but DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel uh, are pretty good weapons for the Panthers. And then you throw in Curtis Samuel, 
or uh, Christian McCaffrey as well, that offense should be pretty tough. So looking forward to seeing Teddy Bridgewater back there under center for the Panthers this year. So uh, let's remain thankful even when life gets mangled. So we'll end with that. Thanks for listening today. Hope you have a great rest of your day. As always, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.